knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Glad to have you for another edition of Poker Action Line here. We move in through February, uh, nearing our sixth anniversary of this uh, radio program. It's amazing. Six years, Big Dave. It really is pretty amazing. Uh, Joe's going to be gone next week, so uh, I think he went out to pick up some party supplies or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be thinking about you in the Caribbean. Don't worry. Uh, Michael Tate will join us next week. Uh, Mike's become a good friend. a uh, very interesting guy, a very good player who's uh, made a couple of deep runs lately. In fact, uh, he finished 12th in the main event of the World Series of Poker Circuit up at West Palm Beach. Good for him. Which, I don't think you realize, was won by... Who? Mako Pahuja. Mako! Good so, for him. Very happy to see uh, one of our local guys and also a representative of the Seminole Hard Rock to uh, win that event over the weekend, collecting 193000 for first. Uh, Adam Levy finished second. He's also from South Florida. Uh, moved to L.A. for several years and moved back to South Florida. And uh, Tristan Wade also made that final table, finishing seventh. So really a strong final table. And uh, Muckle able to uh, pull that one out and get the win in that one. Again, 193000 for first. Um, pretty interesting event, uh, i got to say. And uh, I did get up there earlier in the series. I was going to go back to check out the final table, and I did not end up making it up there. But a uh, nice turnout and uh, uh, an excellent uh, event as well. Well, they always run an outstanding event, as we know. That's, I'm sure that's why the WSOP gave them a second tournament. Yeah, they had the, the 12 rings in 12 days. It ended on Monday, and uh, pretty late in the afternoon, uh, Muckle came into the final table. He was about in the middle of the pack and uh, ended up uh, eliminating a couple of players. Uh, some of the other players at the final table, uh, Daniel Weinman, uh, he was uh, the eighth-place finisher, and ahead of Tristan Wade was uh, Staffan Lind, Josh Lowing, Dalton Mills, Eric Bunch. That was places six up through three. Levy finishes second, and Pahuja gets the win up there. So, um, obviously, if I had been up there, I would have had a chance to talk to him and get an interview for the show, which I uh, unfortunately did not. But we will, again, speak with him sometime later. He uh, has become a real staple in South Florida poker down here since he moved down from from the New York area several years ago, uh, end up getting married down here, and uh, um, his brother plays, uh, Vinny, who is also a very good player, but uh, Muckle, I think, has uh, surpassed him as the star of the family, uh, winning the WPT Listen, Player of the Year. He had deep runs in the main event, exactly. you know, so He was Muckle's WPT Player of the Year in 2014, yeah. so pretty uh, huge uh, uh, accolades there, obviously. Uh, also last week, we were kind of in the middle of the program, uh, finishing up the uh, tournament up at the Borgata in Atlantic City, and Chris Long was the winner of that one up there. Uh, come from behind win. Uh, he was actually the short stack going into the final table, and uh, ended up defeating uh, Rafael Yar- Yaraliev, uh to capture the title. That was uh, back uh, in the first week of February, so I don't know if we mentioned that at all last week, but... Uh, don't believe we did, but we did know that Joe McKeon was making a very deep yes. run 
end up getting eliminated in fourth place. Well, so not a bad one there. Still very uh, impressive. Long collected 816,000 for his win. Yuraliev, uh, 487,000. Liam He was third. Joe McKeon won 249,000. Amir dropping the bucket for him. Compared to his 8 million. <laughs> uh, and another big name finishing at fifth was uh, Evgeny uh, Timoshenko, the Russian player who's another also been very good. Poker player. And uh, Matthew Wantman, not, not Waxman, Matthew Wantman. Uh, took sixth place to finish out that final table, which will be, of course, uh, shown uh, on television later in the year. So uh, pretty interesting. I think right now the one of the seminal tournaments is uh, being shown on the air on the WPT. So that's something we will keep in mind. Of course, uh, their schedule always something that we follow. And uh, they are now moving on to uh, the Fallsview Classic. And this is the stretch last year, Joe, that uh, Anthony Zeno won back-to-back tournaments. And, uh, Fallsview is uh, basically Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Uh, that will be February 21st through the 24th, so that's just right around the corner. Uh, there is also simultaneously uh, for these next two events a tournament over in Brussels, but uh, the ones local here will be Fallsview 21st through the 24th, and then they'll move into the California swing with the LA Poker Classic February 27th through March 3rd. Then the following week, uh, March 7th through the 11th, is Bay 101, the Shooting Star in San Jose. And then they uh, finish things out with Rolling Thunder in uh, Lincoln, California, which is up in the Sacramento area, March 12th through the 16th. Uh, And then pretty much uh, there'll be a little bit of time off, a couple of international tournaments in San Remo and Johannesburg. And then uh, they'll have that really excellent two and a half weeks of action down here at the Hard Rock in, uh, in Hollywood with uh, the Hard Rock Poker Showdown, which is a tournament that's been around for several years, always their regular stop in April. And then that will follow up with the WPT Tournament of Champions for the first time, uh, which will follow the week after. So we'll be the focus down here in South Florida, the poker world there for about 10 days. And where's that championship going to be held? Here at the Hard Rock? It is here also at the Hard Rock. Because remember, last year, didn't they have one right after the year, like Jacksonville, then down here? Yeah, Jacksonville uh, somehow got moved around a little bit this year, and I'm not sure exactly when they're going to play there. Because that that really works out so well for poker players when you have two tournaments back-to-back in the same state, and you don't have to, you know, the travel arrangements are a lot easier when you get that to happen. Anyway, uh, so uh, pretty interesting. A lot of uh, really good South Florida players uh, doing very well. And we'll see uh, who participates in the Global Poker League, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. Uh, Also some information about uh, Hylia Park coming out in the national press, the story we've been talking about for uh, several months. And, uh, of course, the state came out with their, not a ruling, but uh, they came out with the accusations gave Hylia some time to uh, respond, see if they wanted to appeal. They had until January 18th to do so, and they did not. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, their tack on this is to hope it crawls under the rug. Take their medicine. (coughs) You know what? But hope it just, you know, leaves people's memory. Say your miracle buzz, try to get this over as quickly as possible, and like you said, hopefully, you know, in a short amount of time, it'll It'll leave everybody's head and go, you know, move to wherever the future is going to be for right. for their poker room. I'm sure they're more concerned about the reputation for their slot machines more so, even though their poker room has been doing outstanding business. Yeah. It just well. doesn't generate the revenue 
<laughs> machines do. I'll give you some numbers on that because uh, Nick Nick uh, Sordel, who was on the show with us about two weeks ago, uh, came out with an article and it talked a little bit more about how this whole situation was found out. Uh, basically, he came up with some numbers and just take November of last year. Uh, Hylia Park made 5.1 million in in slots. Right. 635,000 in poker. And of that, 69,000 was tournament poker. So uh, basically, tournament poker did 1.3% of slot machine revenues. Exactly. So, and as you know, to get this, not only that, it's you're talking about, you know, that was, was generated. It costs so much more. You know, there's another thing that people don't understand, Dave. You have so many more employees in the poker room to earn that five hundred, six hundred thousand that they earned that month, as opposed to the five million that they earned in the slot machines. You know, when you put in the benefits, the extra hours that they got to pay, poker in, in a lot of these rooms, you know, doesn't generate what the other what the other gambling venues have in their casinos. But you're hoping that the poker helps supplement some of those other gambling venues, not to mention if you have a restaurant and, and, and you know, and other things on, on, on your property that people can enjoy. What's a, what's a basic hourly rate for a poker dealer? Most places are paying minimum wage. Okay. So that's Which a lot now of money. is what, 750 an hour? Yes, and by doing that, Dave, what people don't understand is by doing that, that allows the, the uh, establishment to... I don't know if the right word is say tax, you know, but uh, like in like in my room, you know, 15% of dealers' tips were taken out for the supervisors, oh, okay. brush, chip runners, you know, for other people, people who, who don't make that kind of money. Tips. Because you can't get a supervisor to become a supervisor, especially if they're a dealer, when dealers are making $40, $50, $60 an hour, right. you know, in downtime when they're sitting at the table and you're going to try to pay these guys you know, fifteen, sixteen dollars. It's not feasible for the casino to be paying them thirty something bucks an hour. So when you take that ten, some places take ten percent, some go as high as seventeen percent. I won't mention who those those people are. I told you right now that my place was taking out fifteen percent. Okay, so we were on the t- higher end. But you know, when you're when you're making three hundred dollars a day in tips, you know, giving up sixty something for the for the uh, for the people who help you earn that money and make it easier for you to earn that money. I don't consider it on top of that you're also making minimum wage. Right. Now, if you pay them less than minimum wage, okay, then you're not allowed to take any money from them. Well, I can tell you my personal experience as a slot attendant at the Isle Casino. Uh, I was there from the opening, from the beginning, and we got paid $10 an hour. But uh, after operating for a few years, they eventually started weeding out some of the originals, uh, you know, Obviously, there's some drop-off. People leave for one reason or another. I was one who happened to leave because I, I really didn't uh, enjoy being on my feet for seven and a half hours a right. day. And uh, physically, it took its toll on me. So that was one of the reasons I left. There were other reasons. But uh, people they replaced us with were getting $4 an hour. Yeah, because then they, they, because they were their tips. Right. So it's, it's a good rate. I, I can honestly say that... Uh, hourly hourly tips rates worked out to anywhere from fifteen to twenty two, twenty three dollars an hour. When so you include your tip, yes. So yeah, so now they cut so six dollars off of that. They yeah. cut that six dollars off because they can, because they know that you're going to be compensated with the tips 
to bring you up to at least minimum wage. Still, bottom line is uh, both the slots and the poker. As you mentioned, there's, there are people that are being paid, uh, but you know it's uh, not as huge as you might just think off the cuff that uh, you know they have this many employees and that's why they need to make a certain amount of money. It's a smaller percentage than in a lot of businesses, really. You, you mean as far as uh, for uh, overall costs of running a, a, a casino or a room, and as you mentioned, you know obviously the casino that's uh, machines are making the money, and you're not paying people to to take bets uh, directly as there would in uh, in table games and that sort of thing. Right, and and like I said, it's it's there are places. Listen, I can tell you right now because my brother-in-law works there. As far in the Seminoles, I mean, excuse me, at the Miccosukee Indians, they pay the dealers $4 an hour, and they earn their tips. They're obviously earning well over the minimum wage, but their supervisors are on strict salary. They're not allowed to get any tips. They're not allowed to be tipped or anything else. They compensate them, I guess, with days off and, and benefits that, that they're providing for their employees there. But, um, again... My experience was if you wanted to run a top-notch room and you needed, you know, top-notch supervisors and stuff, you needed to work it out like this because the only way you're going to keep any decent supervisor down here is paying them somewhere in the $30 to $35 range, which still falls way below most dealers' uh, money down here. You know, but at least they don't have to go through all the, the hassles of being a dealer. They're a supervisor. They get the prestige of being called the boss on the floor. And the only way you can do that so that it doesn't become cost-effective, uh, so it becomes cost-effective for the casino, is to take some of that out of the dealer's tips. Right, right. Well, let's get to this Hylia story uh, in what's been coming out in the national news uh, uh, Monday, a story came out on uh, Poker News uh, by Mo Nuara, uh, and some of the headlines are, are pretty uh, pretty rough. Uh, the, the Poker News article's headline was, Florida Poker Players Expose Crooked Tournament at Hylia Park. Uh, Earl Burton wrote on Poker News Daily, Hylia Park to pay large fine in 2015 tournament fiasco, Real perpetrators get away. Yeah, well, and then uh, of course Nick's story. They may or may not. <laughs> Nick's story was uh, the most interesting to me because it kind of explained how this happened. I mean, this is something that nobody was surprised at. That plays there all the time. They knew these kind of things were going on, and uh, whether they're not sophisticated or, or they just don't care, or they're part of the the you know the corruption. A lot of people that played in these tournaments all the time did not speak up. However, because this was a 200,000 guaranteed event, it brought in players from around the state, uh, bigger players, and immediately they saw what was happening and they spoke right up. Uh, one of the leaders of uh, those who spoke up is a player that a lot of local people are familiar with, a Boca Raton player named T.J. Schulman, who is a, a good player, plays in a lot of uh, WPT, uh, the Seminole Hard Rock events, and, uh, you know, he, he saw the opportunity, uh, you know, uh, something that he pursued against some players that maybe were not as good as uh, some of the ones he normally plays with on a tour and saw a pretty good, uh, uh, you know, entry, uh, 1,000 entries, $200,000 guarantee, and uh, not a lot of really tough, serious competition. Let's put it that way. Right. 
he saw he what he saw, and he mentioned this to Nick, was that players chatting with management sat where they wanted. Uh, managers handled cash without receipts. The listed payouts did not match up on the board. That uh, the number of chips uh, seemed too low for the entry fee that should have been collected. Uh, he said to a supervisor, "You're missing forty-eight thousand from the prize pool." And the guy said, "If you don't like the way we're playing here, go back to the Hard Rock." So, <laughs> mistake well, number uh, one. Unfortunately, these are some of the people that Nelson surrounded himself with. Uh, he, he, Schulman said that uh, he himself and three others were the ones who went to the Florida Division of Paramutual Wagering, who in, uh, in, in investigated this tournament, found myriad of problems from lack of receipts to uh, bad video surveillance to possibly supervisors pocketing cash. Uh, Schulman said that the management said that they would take the money to the cashier later. They did every possible dance there was. <laughs> Uh, we know what's happened since then. Nelson uh, Costa supposedly resigned, uh, you know, whether he was actually fired or whether he resigned. The official stance is that he resigned. Three of his assistants were fired, and we'll be looking for at a six-figure fine to come out. Uh, no f- criminal charges apparently will be filed, although, uh, you know, this is really a horrible black eye for the facility. And not to mention, I think they had a chance to kind of uh, survive this and, and and let people know that they wanted to run a fair game and that they took care of the bad eggs, and uh, they simply uh, refused to comment. On, well, not only that, Dave, if you remember going back a few months, they supposedly did an internal investigation and said that there was no issues. Right. That was their official stance. So that that, w- that was a huge mistake. If they had come out aggressively and said, Something has gone on. We need to do have further investigations, and we're cooperating wholeheartedly with the state and trying to get to the bottom of this. And maybe had let the you know let Nelson and his staff go much sooner, which obviously would have been admitting that there was, at the very least, a procedural problem being done right, there. Right, right. You know, outside of criminal problems being done there. Uh, you know, but they didn't. They kind of, I think they were hoping to try to wash it away. You know, uh, Danny Sierra came up with an explanation that everyone laughed at online as to, you know, how he tried to explain the extra chips. And their Facebook page. And everything else. And it's like the, TJ said, you know, they were, they were doing the old, uh, the, you know, soft shoe dance there. Right. Um, it would have been much better for Hialeah to come out right then and say, listen, we know something is wrong. We're not sure quite what it is yet, but, you know, you know, we want to make sure we that we protect the integrity of our establishment and, and you know continue the confidence that the public has in us and had taken care of that. They kind of put their head in the sand and hid from this. Right. Well, even beyond this particular tournament, uh, the investigation uncovered several other improprieties, uh, things like uh, surveillance uh, not uh, in the proper spots, uh, cash being stored in the p- poker manager's office. Uh, it says they didn't keep a ledger of the jackpot debits and credits. Uh, and while there's no criminal allegations in the state's uh, complaint, uh, it's unclear whether every dollar that went into the jackpot fund ever got paid out. Uh, so there was lots of... Uh, that's that's accounting problems right, there. Right, which we had talked about several weeks ago. Anyway, um, going back to the... 
complaints of uh, T.J. Shulman. Uh, he said that uh, although the state never substantiated it, he he heard accusations from other players that staff allowed players to compete for free with a wink-wink that uh, managers would get something back if players fared well. Uh, he, he, he was actually... Uh, uh, there was another player that was quoted as saying, they were talking in Spanish, and the guy understood another player saying he was getting 20% of the winnings and giving the staff 80%, so not even a 50-50 split. <laughs> uh, so anyway, those were some of the things that were accused. Uh, I think I think they're getting off very light because a lot of this stuff is not going to be proven and maybe will be forgotten about. The, said the things that were came out in the report were things that you just mentioned that uh, were administrative things and maybe not even as uh, rough as, as far as Nelson Costa is concerned. It isn't. I mean, what happened is because, you know, they did such a poor job of running this tournament that their whole organization came under the microscope, Dave. Yeah. And then they found a lot of problems on how they were running their 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 business and not following internal controls that they themselves have set forth as to how they want to run their own room. They weren't following any of these, right. um, you know, and this has to, like, really light a fire under the top brass over there at Hialeah because this is just a huge oversight on upper management side on top on top of what, you know, Nelson and his staff did in the poker room. It just really looks bad that the rest of the organization looks like they didn't know, you know, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. So what's the effect? Uh, I'm sure you're very interested in this, and I don't have any exact numbers. And out of Nick's story, it did say that uh, business was running in the $700,000 a month range and now is down about 100000 in the early going. So we'd have to wait a couple of months to see what the exact result is. Yeah, I listen to give Nelson credit. He, he, you know, he had a large uh, pool of people that he could all constantly contact. Uh, obviously, not all of them were on the up and up, but you know, Nelson didn't know how to run a room. Um, I, like you said, Nelson's been gone now for a little over a month and a half. I think he was let go right at the end of December, right, right before Christmas, right. I believe. Okay, so you know the numbers not that two months. The, January's numbers. Reflect December's numbers, February's numbers, which should just be coming out, are going to reflect January's numbers. You're probably going to see a drop-off. You won't start seeing the true effect of this probably until you see March's numbers, April's numbers, whether the new the new poker room poker staff uh, management, you know, gets a rain on this and is able to you know, maintain 80%, 90% of the the poker players that were there, you know, frequently the place every single day. Right. Uh, Well, in the Earl Burton story, uh, the last uh, paragraph pretty much sums up the way I think a lot of people look at this, and that is that uh, although highly a park officials should be held more responsible, uh, if they get a six-figure fine, let's hope it's in the big six figures, uh, closer to seven figures, uh, but he says the real culprits, Costa and his assistants, are the ones that state officials should be on the lookout for. In fact, any state that has gaming should have their information on file as persona non grata for employment in the gaming industry for the actions taken in the Florida event. And I want to, of course, say that uh, Nelson has not admitted guilt. Uh, I spoke with him, and uh, he feels that he got a bad deal, you know, 
uh, who knows. But, uh, you know, eventually this will be looked at, as you say. Uh, and uh, it's simply a bottom line is that uh, if these situations aren't punished thoroughly, people will believe they can get away with ripping off customers, in this case poker players, and something that is something that should never happen in a casino Listen, setting. The first thing a poker player looks for is a fair game. Okay? And, you know, in history we'll tell you that when there isn't a fair game, it's because your fellow poker players are trying to cheat you. Okay? You really hate to have the establishment be the ones cheating you. They could be incompetent to the point that they don't catch the cheaters, but they themselves aren't actively participating in trying to cheat you out of your money. Right. In this particular case, that's exactly what happened by putting people in with no, you know, not buying in and looking for you to cash out some of the, some of the own prize money that that the hard earned poker players had put into this tournament. So, you know, they're mentioning about Nelson and his staff and and you know and all the other people. I, it becomes very difficult once once the integrity of the game has been challenged and it, and they're blaming you for it. I can't see how they're going to be able to get another job in this industry. Yeah, it'll be tough. Because, you know, these things are going to come out. It's going to have to wait a long time for this. And if I was the state of Florida, you know, and, and, and you think that they did enough to warrant this, you put an asterisk by them. You know, people will, will whenever you apply for a gaming license in any state, Dave, and you know, that's assuming they move out of state, they will they will check and, and they always ask you have you had a license revoked did you have a previous license the uh, you know the casino that's trying to employ you will do background checks and hopefully this will be noted there I I just find it very difficult for these guys to ever get a job again in a casino I mean you know the 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 trust issue isn't worth the, the the risk isn't worth the rewards uh, from a casino standpoint from now on out right. Uh, and if that's not enough for uh, South Florida uh, Racinos, uh, the latest coming out was that this, uh, these games that they've been playing, and we've been talking quite a bit about it. There's been a lot of stories about how successful it's been, like three-card poker, two-card poker, uh, Pi Gal, Casino War, some of those things. Uh, Ultimate Texas Hold'em is one of the major games that they play on these small tables where they're not allowed to play against the house, so there is a banker. Uh, who is a customer who is uh, playing against these players. Now, the, all of these facilities went long and hard to get the approval, supposedly um, got the story from the state that these games were authorized, and uh, unfortunately the Seminole Tribe, which is now trying to get the compact through, has filed a lawsuit to stop these games. So uh, immediately Gulfstream Park uh, dropped their games. I know they did. Uh, there are a few other places. I think the Isle, I don't think they're playing it there anymore. But some of the ones that were doing well with it, Palm Beach Kennel Club, Magic City, um, Jacksonville, St. Pete, uh, uh, Derby Lane, Tampa Bay Downs, and, and others have continued to play. So uh, this is coming to a head here. Uh, the state has uh, said that they are illegally offering these games. Of course, uh, they were the ones in the first place that said they were legal. But the future of these games is now up in the air. So not that this is a huge part of revenue for these rooms, but it is an interest to some players who like playing these games. Yeah, I mean, listen, I saw some of this many years ago when I was in California and, and a lot of their, their casinos, racinos out there, where you had uh, California 
uh, blackjack, you know, which which you couldn't bust, you know, the, the interesting rules that they had. And it was a banked game. Baccarat was banked game. And they charge a commission. Um, as, as it turns out, when we were at Dania a few weeks ago, one of the guys who was trying to get the game off at Dania, which also has it, but there was none of the tables were running while you and I were there, was an ex-dealer of mine. And and another ex-dealer, an ex-supervisor of mine was was his supervisor, and it's a company that's running these games for the casinos themselves. They're, they're actually not running these games themselves. Somebody is running it for them, and they're getting a commission out of it for every hand. So I... <laughs> There's no expense, so that's probably why they want to keep it because they're not actually hiring a dealer and not spending any other money like that. Right. It's come almost like they're renting floor space. Uh, so if if it's busy, yeah, it's going to be hard to want to give. That's almost like free money. It's almost well, like free money. Well, I think the people who bank these games are making a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, but you know, it gets a chance where everyone gets a chance to bank it. So you know, not really. No, well, you have to have the money to bank it. You know, but uh, yeah, but I, in California, every person has to have an opportunity. I think you can count on one hand the number of uh, people banking these games. Right, because some at, people want to go after the big banks, and you know, others want to be the house. Right. Uh, I don't know what the rules are exactly, but I wouldn't mind being the house in most of these games. The percentages are usually so so stacked against the player. Right. Well, anyway, those are two stories affecting us here in South Florida. And uh, still some uh, final results to come from both of those, but we'll keep you posted on what's happening. Uh, let's take our break on the show. I do want to get to our, uh, our, our discussion about the Global Poker League, which uh, will have its draft on the 25th of February, which is a week from tomorrow as we do the program here. But first, let us tell you about Gulfstream Park, which is uh, in the midst of the racing season and doing very well down there, having a great time with a lot of great stakes races. Still the Florida Derby to come on April 2nd. But plenty of stuff between now and then, including some great stakes races and lots of excitement around the track and in the poker room. And uh, it's a fun place. It really is. And we highly recommend it not only for the casino, but for uh, the racing and all the other things that go on there, including the dining and clubs and uh, really shopping excitement that's out in the village of Gulfstream Park. You said today you saw the uh, Pegasus Ooh, for the first Lord, time. Oh, huh? Lord, is that a big horsey. 110-foot-tall <laughs> bronze statue. Damn, that Not is Not just big. statue, but uh, I guess some sort of museum-type uh, atmosphere is going to be involved. We'll get a little, a little more details on that. Uh, it should be opening soon, and we'll uh, we'll get you some more information on what's going on there. But it is a, it's a monolith. It's, yeah, it's, it's impressive. It is very nice, though, you know, because sometimes you make something that big, and it doesn't come out. A little gaudy, but this is very impressive. I, I, I found it very impressive. Pegasus, of course, uh, the winged horse from uh, uh, Greek, mythology, Greek mythology, I guess you yeah. would say, and uh, uh, certainly will uh, will enjoy looking at that. But certainly, if uh, you're in the area, it stands out, and uh, it's a place that. Uh, I think it's going to attract a lot of attention when it is open. And it's funny because come, heading uh, northbound, I didn't see it until I was right on top of it. Mm-hmm. But coming coming southbound, you'll, you'll see it spotted first before right before the away. village. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, anyway, racing continues uh, with big stakes races this weekend. Uh, we have the uh, just not a big weekend this weekend, not this Saturday, but the Melody of Colors. But the following week is the Fountain of Youth Stakes is headlining that one. So we're looking forward to some of that. 
Poker Room, tell us about the Poker Room. You love it. Well, listen, you have some great games over there. You know, they 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 run a, a, a you know all the gamut of games, but they always have that Pot Limit Omaha game running over there. They have the tournaments late, late. You know, what seven o'clock? I believe most of their tournaments are starting. Seven today. o'clock. And again, all the different creative promotions that Scott and Mike come up with, and that their whole staff there. You know. Uh, I'm very proud to say that a couple of their dealers that they have working for them now I've trained and uh, we've always known, listen, our, our good friend Mark Perlman worked there as a dealer and as a supervisor. They've always had a great staff and let me tell you something, that's what you want in a poker room. Good, good staff, uh, nice people, fair games and great as- atmosphere. It's a beautiful place, uh, a lot of television sets to watch sports and other racing uh, certainly a place that you should make part of your plans. Wednesday through Sunday is the racing schedule, and you can check it out. Uh, give them a call over there at 954-457-6336 if you want any exact uh, games or times. They, of course, open in the morning at 9 a.m., close at uh, 3 a.m., 24 hours Friday and Saturday. So uh, lots of great action. Gulfstream Park, it's located, the poker room is, on the first floor of the uh, casino which is just off to the right if you're walking through the breezeway out toward the track. So uh, check it out. Uh, anytime you can get a good poker game and, of course, great racing, especially on Saturdays, which is their big day. Uh, so check it out. Gulfstream Park, once again, located 901 South Federal Highway. It's in Hallandale Beach, which is the south part of Broward County. Uh, tell them Big Dave and Joe sent you over. It's Gulfstream Park. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Hi, this is 
Joe Perry. And Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000-pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive. I'm the one that jaded you. A reminder that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation, National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. Back to the show. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Global Poker League. Uh, they have a draft coming up on February 25th, which is right before the uh, the big awards program, the Poker Awards, uh, American Poker Awards, uh, that the GPI will be giving out uh, on the 25th at the SLS Hotel in Beverly Hills. And I guess the, the, the draft is uh, slated to go there. Uh, originally started with 12 franchises with five players on each team. They have actually added a sixth player to each team if the captain wants it that way. He doesn't have to add a sixth, but we'll add a fifth. Uh, there's still lots just to come out about the rules of how the competitions are going to go, where they're going to be, what time, uh, what order, who's playing who. But I did want to talk about the teams, which I think is always pretty interesting. Joe, as you know, I'm a big uh, logo guy. Yes. You know, and all my shirts and... I follow sports teams over the years, and I love great sports logos, and they have some good ones here. They've worked hard at uh, these teams, and I wanted to read down the teams. Uh, it's kind of interesting because although the players themselves and the teams may not actually be from that area, there is a team assigned to several major cities around the world, and uh, the captains have already been named, so we'll, uh, I want to run these down. Uh, start off with the Berlin Bears. Uh, kind of blue, black, and white uh, color scheme with a polar bear over the top of the logo. Philippe Grissem from France is, uh, or I guess he's from Germany. I, I guess that would make sense. <laughs> uh, is uh, the second biggest winner in German poker history. Uh, winnings of nearly $10 million and formerly ranked number two in the world. He will be the captain of the Berlin Bears. The Hong Kong Stars captain is Selena Lin. Uh, she is uh, born in Shanghai, and she'll be the face of that team for the People's Republic of China. The Hong Kong Stars with a big dragon, uh, as you might guess, uh, in their <laughs> yeah. logo there. Uh, she is 13th on China's all-time money list, known as China's Queen of Poker. And uh, she's been based in Australia uh, since the age of seven, but she is from uh, China. Uh, the Las Vegas team, with kind of that uh, little triangle that uh, we always see with the uh, Las Vegas logo, uh, red and black, with a poker chip in the O of Money Makers. It's the Los Angeles Money Makers with the team captain, the accountant from Nashville, who uh, changed the poker world back in 2003, Chris Moneymaker, and he will be the captain of the Las Vegas Moneymakers. Uh, the team from London is known as the Royals. Liv Boree, the, uh, the great poker player, pretty woman and model, hailing from Kent in the U.K., will be the captain. She's also a TV presenter and uh, sometime philanthropist. Uh, she uh, went to the University of Manchester and uh, has a victory in the European Poker Tour in San Remo back in 2010. Lifetime earnings just under $3 million. Kind of a gold and dark blue uh, uh, logo there with a uh, lion with a with a crown. So that's the London Royals. 
the Los Angeles team will be the Los Angeles Sunset, captained by Maria Ho. And it's also nice to see a three out of five, first five being women that are involved in this. But uh, she is, of course, uh, born in Taipei and uh, one of the most well-known people from the uh, L.A. area. And, of course, was on the Amazing Race a few years ago. Uh, one of the top champions and very excited about being a part of this, uh, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But the L.A. Sunset is a uh, poker chip with a yellow center and a couple of palm trees. Uh, should be kind of fun, uh, the L.A. Sunset. Uh, the Montreal Nationals, uh, captained by Marc-Andre Ladassur, who uh, went to the uh, November 9 a few years ago. Uh, he's a high-stakes player with winnings of over $1.7 million. Uh, the Moscow team is known as the Wolverines. The Moscow Wolverines, uh, the captain will be Anatoly Filitov. Uh, he's one of the most successful players uh, in Russian poker history. And a uh, huge uh, group to draw from there, a country of 143.5 million people. We will find out what there is. It's kind of a red and black logo with a Wolverine with an ace of hearts coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Uh, New York team will be will be captained by Bryn Kenny, uh, the high stakes pro, uh, and uh, 29 years old. Uh, he won the Super High Roller event this year at the PCA, and uh, he's one of the most successful PCA players ever, uh, with 3.2 million in winnings. The Rounders uh, logo is uh, has kind of the Statue of Liberty crown coming out of the top of it, so pretty interesting as well. Paris team will be the Paris Aviators, uh, captained by Fabrice Soulier. Uh, he is obviously uh, from Paris, a former TV director who uh, got into poker back in the year 2000, and he is now third on France's all-time money list with tournament caches of almost $6 million. Rome Emperors, who have the first pick of the draft, uh, will be captained by Max Pescatori. Uh, the Max Emperor, was up for the Hall of Fame uh, yes, he was. this year, wasn't he? He was. He did not get in, but he was uh, nominated. They have a kind of a King Tut kind of uh, character. It looks like coming out of their logo. Pretty cool. He's known as the Pirate, so maybe that has something to do with that. <laughs> He's uh, Italy's second biggest winner of all time, 45 years old, from Milan. Uh, San Francisco will be captained by Faraz Jaka, who... Uh, uh, I don't believe lives in San Francisco because they did a big story on him being homeless uh, because he does not have a house. He <laughs> plays so much poker that he thought it was ridiculous to own a home and just basically lives wherever he's playing. Uh, he uh, talked about becoming homeless in order to travel and explore new cultures. Uh, he had a documentary crew this year at the PCA, so uh, it's a pretty interesting story there. He has over $5 million in winnings and was the WPT Season 8 Player of the Year in 2010. The San Francisco Rush, uh, somewhat similar, I guess, to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they have the bridge, a picture of the bridge in the background, a uh, yellow logo with black uh, lettering. Uh, so that one should be pretty cool as well. And rounding out the... Uh, the 12 teams will be the team from Brazil, Sao Paulo, the Sao Paulo Metropolitans, uh, captained by Andre Akari, uh, who's the leader of this team. Uh, third biggest poker winner of all time in Brazil, caches of $1.4 million, uh, and probably has a lot to do with the growth of the game in Brazil. So uh, kind of a reward there for him. Now, now let me ask you something, Dave. When they're playing this, they haven't they haven't set forth how they're going to play these things. Well, there's going been some to be stuff. Like I a don't regular sports thing where team against team, you travel to one team's home site 
to play poker and and you score it like basketball, baseball, football, where you win and you have a league standing, or is this going to be one tournament where all 12 teams come in? There will be a schedule. I do know that. Uh, those are all great questions. <laughs> Which they you haven't answered, Unfortunately, right? the answers are uh, not known to, known to me. Let's put it that way. Okay. I think there will be more coming out at the draft. They've had some uh, stuff, and I think they're still kicking around some ideas. Uh, I'm sure there are some plans here. Uh, I just do not have them right now. So uh, uh, I'm just excited about... Uh, the efforts of Alexander Dreyfus, who runs GPI, he's talked about it many times, about sportifying poker, uh, taking some of the best ideas from baseball and football and basketball that have been very successful and kind of applying it to the sports. Is that possible? It is, but I don't, listen, again, <laughs> my opinion strictly, but uh, you know, poker is a lot like golf. It's an individual game. Okay, and the only time you see unification in golf is when you have something like the Ryder Cup, where then individuals are actually rooting for each other because there's national pride involved, you know, and and that's what you get. I love the idea of it's going to be run like that, um, you know, but the time restraints that are put on poker players who are trying to do this unless there's a lot of money involved in this league. It's going to be hard to get the top people. I believe you were the one who told me that. Well, why don't you answer this, Dave? Out of the, they invited the top 1,000 GPI. Yeah, I wanted to get on to that. People, and only 203 replied that they'd be interested in, t- in participating in this league. That's the numbers that have come out. Uh, they took the top 1,000 players in the GPI, and they contacted all of them and offered gave them a certain amount of time to sign up. 200 players chose to do so, which is obviously just over 20% of the field. Uh, there was lots of reasons. There was lots of talk that um, that the contract was a little restrictive for some people's tastes. Uh, they, it's a two-year contract where they're hooked on to, this, to be involved in this league in order to play. Uh, there are restrictions on advertising other poker sites and that sort of thing, which uh, cuts out a lot of people right off the top. Uh, but uh, I think uh, anybody can work around some of that stuff if they want to be a part of this thing. Uh, it's a good, more of a goodwill thing than a money-making enterprise. I think the money involved, from what people say, uh, some people, uh, Paul Volpe was one that said, there's just not enough money in it for me for the amount of time I think we're going to put into it. And this is what I'm trying to say. You've got 12 teams. If there's going to be a lot of traveling involved, the, you know, they haven't, they haven't put forth how, how they're going to structure this league, as I asked before. So I think these are issues that should have been worked out before they went and put all these teams together. So people right from the get-go, when you're asking a 1,000 people and they themselves don't know what the format is going to be, it's kind of hard to commit to that. Right. And once again, as much as I'd love to see it sportified in that particular sense, it could be sportified, but it's going to have to be sportified in the sense of like the golf, where you have, you know, we have the the WSOP tournament, which is a six-week, six-seven-week event. Okay, the only re- the only the only thing that would interest me in watching a sportified team team sportified poker is is like I said for national pride. You understand? Let's get the best poker players of North America that would include America and Canada. You know versus the rest of the world to start with. 
And I think that would, you know, we, there's always talk about how, oh, you know, the European and the, the international players have to travel to Vegas for the World Series of Poker, and that's, you know, well, listen, have alternating years where it's, you know, done here in the United States. You could actually take this to a lot of different rooms to kind of really build up the area, uh, much like golf tournaments that go, you know, the U.S. Uh, Open is, is in like 12 different courses over the 12 different years. Do the same thing, you know, go to Europe, you know, and and make it a huge event, four-week event, either right after, you know, take a month off from the main event being over and then do it, say, middle of August till about three weeks, do it for like a three-week tournament where, you, you know, you, you take all the different disciplines of poker and... Right. And and you set up a format of head to head, two man ball, four man, you know, similar to what golf does, where you have something like this. I think that would give you enough time to line up a lot of sponsors from both sides, you know, of of the poker world, and you know, from all around the the, the world, and you know, and generate the interest that I think it it, it could generate. You know, and I think you could get the players to commit to a three-week period if they know that this is something like this, where not only national pride, but obviously some dollar events at the end are taken care of. But, you know, we see professional athletes now playing in the Olympics and not really getting the amount of money that they would normally get. I think if you did this and did it once every two years or, or even if it's annually, you know, for three weeks and you build it up like that, from there, you have something that you can grow yeah. and just constantly change the location. Well, so it brings it brings these great champions, you know, to different parts of the world and different parts of the United well, States. Well, as, as some of the more of the details come out, I think we got to give this thing every opportunity. I think it's a great idea. It may not be super successful. In fact, if you're wondering who's going to participate, uh, if you just look at the top ten on the GPI, Six of the top ten, uh, our names are on the list. Also, the seventh is Bryn Kenny, who uh, is one of the right. captains, so he doesn't count. Uh, three of the top ten, Steve O'Dwyer, Nick Petrangelo, and Martin Finger, are not participating. But those who are include Byron Coverman, who's currently number one, Anthony Zeno, number three, Kevin McPhee at number five, Jason Mercier, number six, Fedor Holtz at number nine, David Katai at number 10. And then there's plenty of other huge names, uh, obviously former former uh, WSOP champions like Jonathan Duhamel, uh, Brian Rast is uh, involved, uh, Mohsin Sharanya, Jeff Madsen, uh, the names go on and on. Jonathan, Those are part Jonathan of the 203? They're all, they're all the 203. Matt Glantz, of course, is going to be a part of it. Uh, you would expect him to be, and he is. Uh, Vanessa Selbst, Rep Porter, who's been on the show with us, uh, Chance Corneth, who is uh, on a real role, he also has been on the show with us very recently. Uh, Martin Jacobson, the former uh, WSOP champ. Matt Salzberg, uh, one of the most entertaining guys in poker. Joe Ebanks, uh, Joey Cooden. Uh, I can go down and list, but uh, Noah Schwartz is uh, going to be involved. The grinder is not, uh, but uh, several top South Florida players are, are involved. Natasha Barber who goes out with Jason now, uh, is uh, on the list. Kelly Minkin, uh, one of the top female players in the world at the moment, is involved. Uh, The magician, Antonio Esfandiari, is going to be a part of it. Anthony Gregg, Phil Galfond. You can go down a huge list of names. Oh, that's a very impressive list It's a great list. Chris Mormon. And these people all willing to commit to the two years. Yes, yes. 
Well, then that's that's very impressive. That's I think very impressive. I didn't think they would have out of that 203. I, I thought it was probably more towards. It seems like you've got a lot of the top 100 in there. Yeah. Well, a lot of these things. You take a look at Chris Mormon, who's obviously one of the world's best players from England, and he's 793 on this list on uh, the top 1,000. So whether he has not. Uh, Put up enough wins in the last in the period that that, that has had him drop down a little bit. But uh, just talking of well-known names, they're all over the place here, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And a lot of those people will be the ones chosen. Well, I, 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 I'm not quite sure of. Well, based on those names that you list, uh, let's hope they put together a format for this. Whether it is going to be straight, you know, one-on-one tournament style, you know, however they they come up with the with the format for this uh, league. That it's well, I'm sure they have a plan. I want to make that clear. I, I, I think part of the fact that I'm not delivering a lot of uh, exact details well, is they my, haven't my come, fault. But they haven't come out with them, right? Well, they probably have, have. They probably have. I probably just uh, missed some of okay, it. Okay, well, right, no, well. I'm not going to give an exact uh, description of, of everything that's going to happen because I don't know. But you know, part of that might be that I missed a certain story here and there. Okay, well, again, then my but I know apologies. That we'll, we'll, my apologies, because if, you know, if the format's been out there and I just don't know it, then that's my fault for not having known Well, they're that. still pursuing some of these ideas that we had talked about when it first came out, about the cube, playing inside the cube, where people are going to be able to see the whole cards, but uh, you know, people are not going to have access to the players, so that... Uh, you know, the, the that to me is a great idea. And standing, that to me is standing a great around the table idea. and playing and uh, and shooting it and showing it live. I mean, uh, some of these stuff could be very great. Uh, there's talk about a shot clock. There's talk all kinds of things about. Uh, you know, I haven't seen the final decision on how these things came down, but they're innovative ideas. They put a lot of thought into it. And uh, I'm truly excited about it. I want to see what's going to happen. The only problem right now is there's not a great poker media venue to carry all these things. Uh, poker Central, who, although they're talking about getting on a cable system in Ohio, uh, is really not uh, hugely available to the average person. No, I mean, listen, you, you, if they haven't come out with you know the whole format of this, I think it would behoove them to do that as quickly as possible. That way, they once they draft the teams, the players themselves, these top name players, can go out there and promote the hell out of this there was all a, over the world. There was a story written by uh, Donnie Peters and Frank uh, Optoward uh, talking about why some players decided not to. And of course, there was talk about some of the. Uh, uh, the contract uh, wording that some people were uncomfortable with, but a lot of it are simple things. Guys like Steve O'Dwyer, number two in the world, said, uh, basically, I'm just trying to play less. He said, I tried to play less last year, but I was involved in the player of the year race, so I ended up playing more. So now this year, I'm going to try to cut back on some of my poker, and it's just don't have the time for it. Uh, Connor Drynan said the same thing. He said... Uh, uh, that he hopes it succeeds, but he already travels a lot for poker, and he doesn't have that much free time. And now he just had to make a decision. He came to the conclusion that he just didn't have for time for it for right now. Uh, Drynan said, I love it, and I support it. I hope it does well. But it might be a season or two before I can find a time for me to fit in with it. Uh, David Peters is another who uh, decided not to play. He said, I was a little skeptical about the contract. I didn't know if I wanted to get tied down to something like that, forced to do all the marketing and I wasn't really too comfortable if it was something I really wanted to do and put all that time in. I'm kind of on the fence, and it was kind of a last-minute decision, but it didn't end up. Think, I just didn't end up thinking it was right for me. Um, so several other things. Uh, uh, 
Petrangelo, Robert Petrangelo, uh, who was number four on the GPI uh, at the end of the year and had over 3.4 million in earnings last year, said he just doesn't, he's just not attracted to the spotlight. And he said, I, I think they're looking to thrust players into that role. And he says, uh, I like, I, I wasn't playing poker for the sport of it. I like the competition of playing. Uh, when we're playing for a lot of money, and I'm not into TV final tables or anything like that. I would actually prefer playing with no media, but I know that's part of the game. I appreciate it, and I know everyone works hard on it, but for me in particular, I don't like to show my whole cards and play on the big stage, stuff like that. Yeah, well, that that's a valid point, David. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, there are some people who don't want who want to be behind the scenes, so to speak, and when they play poker, they 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 don't. They don't go for the glamorous part of it. And when you're running a league like this, I think that's what you do have to sell is the glamorous part. Yeah. You know, sell the, the you know, the, the players themselves, you know, the characters that they are, which we've spoken on this show many times as to trying to build it up. You know, the great stories that we've heard Jason say on, uh, just on our show here, you know, the human interest stories of some of these people, um, I think would, you know, reel in a lot of poker casual fans, right. you know, and, and it, if it gets out there, but again, do they have the media sauce to get it out there that strong and, and to show these matches to where maybe it this, gets to a large mainstream on a major net, network station? Maybe, even if it's maybe this creates a media source. That would be a great, that would be absolutely fantastic, and I think that the, uh, you know, the, the, the effect that it would have, the positive effect that it would have on getting online gaming back in the United States and all the other things that we've spoken about on this show and that other people have, you know, championed their the different causes for charity and everything else, you know, this, this could thrust a, a big spotlight on, on, on all the positive of poker instead of the negative. Right. Well, it's, it's, an, it's something different. It's something new. I think it's something exciting, and uh, I think it's a great effort. I think it's something that people, uh, uh, I hope, will follow. I'm not sure that uh, the whole idea of team poker is is really viable. Now, I was surprised to find out that back in the early 80s, the World Series of Poker had a team event. I was reading a little bit about that. Uh, it was part of the regular uh They weren't getting run. a whole lot of people back then, well, so I yeah, wonder that's how they true. did teams. That's true, but it was, uh, it was last time it was played was 1983. Okay. So we'll get some more information and pass that along to you. Uh, certainly, every player has the right to decide whether they want to participate. Uh, I, I'm not particularly surprised that the number is right around 20% of the top 1,000. Uh, you get people like Paul Volpe, who uh, certainly is its right, but said uh, he didn't feel the salary earned by the players would be enough for him to participate. And don't ask me what that salary is. I, I can't give you that. I don't know that. But uh, more of this stuff will come out over the weeks, and uh, well, we'll, remember, we'll have we reasons still have on to why it's working. Go over that, you know, go over that hurdle, bridge that, get gap that bridge over this being an individual sport, right? You know, so yeah, when your concept, you know, your thinking is of individual of what's good for me, and you know, now you have to kind of flip that a little bit and see if what's good for the team. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's take uh, our last break in the show. We'll come back with a final segment. Uh, I do want to let you know again about Gulfstream Park. One of the great things that's going on out there is that breakfast at Gulfstream uh, every Saturday morning. 
We have the $10 buffet, breakfast buffet. Uh, children under three are free, but it's a nice chance to bring the kids out, introduce them to horses and horse racing, a very uh, interesting program that they have. There's a tram ride to the backside, and they uh, show you what goes on on the backside of the track, which is where all the jockeys and trainers uh, apply their trade during the day. Of course, you see the horses out on the track running for the big prize money, but there's lots of training and feeding and uh, medical attention and that sort of thing that goes on behind the scenes that people don't get to see. But they do show it to you here at Gulfstream Park on Saturday mornings, uh, 7 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Of course, uh, first race post time is 12.05, so uh, plenty of time to get back and enjoy the racing and, and have a fun day. But if you want to take the kids out, uh, they have plenty of activities. They have uh, characters to entertain the kids. They have face painting and a lot of the other fun things. And, of course, uh, trainers, jockeys, and uh, track people talk to people and answer their questions about what goes on at the track. So if you want to find out a little more about horse racing and what goes on behind the scenes, it's a, really a, an excellent day. And it's every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 10. Uh, I invite you to check it out. They have nice food there and uh, uh, certainly something interesting. And as beautiful as it is here in South Florida uh, lately, uh, yeah, and it's starting to get back weather. to being very beautiful and not not very cold anymore. Yeah, well, sometimes it's cold, cool, which is always a good thing yeah, as well. Yeah, cool is okay. Cold is uh, <laughs> when it gets a little rough here. Well, check out the weather reports before you go, but that's something I would uh, certainly encourage people to get involved in. The big stakes race is coming up uh, throughout March, uh, including the Gulfstream Park Handicap on March 5th. Uh, they have the uh, spectacular bid is on the 19th, April 2nd will be the Florida Derby and the Gulfstream Park Oaks, the Appleton, the Skipway, the Sir Shackleton. Uh, a lot of great stakes races still to come. The Fountain of Youth is the, the big one here in February. Not this weekend on the 20th, but the following weekend on the 27th. That will be preceded by the Devona Dale, the Canadian Turf, the Palm Beach, and the Here Comes the Bride, among others. So uh, check it out. Great uh, racing, great poker, and uh, entertainment after the uh, poker is, after the horse racing is done and the poker uh, still continues, but you can head out for a little while, have dinner, go shopping at the Village of Gulfstream Park. A lot of great stuff there, and uh, we certainly encourage you to get on over there. Located in the southern part of Broward County, uh, right on Federal Highway, 901 South Federal is the address in Hallandale Beach. It's located east of I-95, in between 95 and the beaches. Very easy to get to and a very beautiful location. And with the way things are weather-wise down here, it certainly is worth a trip over there, especially on an early Saturday into the day. Have a great afternoon and evening of action uh, of all kinds. Uh, we certainly like going over there to play. We enjoy the poker room, and uh, we always have a good time when we go. Uh, give them a call if you need some information about uh, what's happening in the poker room at 954-457-6336. They have high-hand giveaways. They have all kinds of promotions as well. And uh, if you want information about what games you want to play or what kind of tournaments are coming up, they'll give you all that information at 954-457-6336. It's Gulfstream Park, one of the entertainment jewels of South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. 
You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, interesting uh, outlook on the uh, Global Poker League. Uh, obviously, we need to find out a little more about it before we make our final decisions on whether it's going to work or not. Uh, but certainly some interesting uh, aspects to it, and we'll be no, talking about I, and that. And I had no idea that the names of the people that they that are looking to get involved with such impressive. Yeah, it's just, a nice list. And you just named, uh, what, 15, 20 players. That was exactly, a very impressive you know. list right there, so... I just hope they do this the right way. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, a lot of stuff coming up here in uh, not just South Florida, but around the country, obviously, over the next few weeks. We're looking forward to the big April with the uh, uh, the stuff at the Seminole Hard Rock, including the uh, Poker Showdown on April 14th through the 20th, and the following that, uh, the WPT Tournament of Champions, all at the Seminole Hard Rock here. Uh, the California Swing gets underway, as I mentioned, uh, in uh, just another week or so. So uh, interesting stuff out there. We're looking ahead to the World Series of Poker, which is uh, slowly releasing some of their dates. Uh, gets underway on May 31st, but the Colossus will go on June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. There will be a million-dollar first prize this year. So that will uh, cut back some of the criticism, I think. When uh, it should be with all those people, that should have been the bare <laughs> with minimum. Twenty-two thousand plus people, and uh, Cord Garcia taking home just six hundred thirty-four thousand. But uh, we will check that out, obviously as well. I'm hoping to uh, again go out there for the Colossus this year. I haven't made my exact plans on what days I'm going to be out there, but all the gold bracelet events and all the cash games and the deep stack tournaments, the satellites, uh, fifty consecutive days. And it will reach its final nine on July the 18th. 
the Colossus, once again, as I mentioned, Thursday, June 2nd, Friday, June 3rd, Saturday, June 4th, uh, including re-entry, allowing players to enter the other starting flights if they failed in, in initially advance. Uh, again, the number last year, 22,374, and 638,000 was the final number. Uh, it will feature uh, 200, or excuse me, $2 million dollars. Uh, in an additional grand prize pool, thus at $7 million, which is up from last year's $5 million, and uh, two additional entry flights. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, it's the 47th edition of the World Series of Poker, and we'll uh, obviously be going over a lot of that stuff uh, throughout. So uh, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, Joe will be gone next week, and uh, Michael Tate joins me in the studio, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, not Joe being gone, of course, but, uh, <laughs> but Michael Tate being here, who's uh, a great guy with a lot of really interesting outlooks, a very good player as well, made uh, almost final table the uh, World Series of Poker Circuit event here last weekend uh, up in the Palm Beach Kennel Club and made a very deep run at the uh, Lucky Hearts Open just a few weeks ago at the Seminole Hard Rocks. So a uh, good player. I, I watched him fold uh, pocket queens in that tournament, which... Uh, uh, I don't think we got to see the final resolution, but uh, I think it's something I never could have done, yet he knew that one of the players had aces and uh, therefore was a good fold. I, I, the, the only thing I can say is I know I folded kings so once, and I was right. I was looking at aces and queens, and I knew my, my kings were, were, up, were up against it. So <laughs> Anyway, we'll look forward to having Michael come in the studio next week, and uh, we'll have to talk about a lot of things here in the world of poker, including uh, what's to come here, uh, both in South Florida and nationally as well. Excellent. That's going to do it for the show. Gio, as always, thanks you, thank you for a great job on the controls. And, of course, you can always pick up the show on uh, Holder Radio Network on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, doing very well there. Of course, uh, iTunes is a good place to pick up the show. Go to our website at PokerActionLine.com or check us out on Stitcher Radio or the Poker Fuse podcast page. Lots of places to find the show if you're so inclined. And uh, we brought some luck to Chance Corneth, who uh, has three big high-roller performances here in the early part of the year. I sent him a tweet and said, Listen, when you're on the show, uh, you know, it's always uh, foreboding good luck. So uh, you're just earning some of that, of course. Let's hope that works for Mike next week. Exactly. Uh, That's going to do it. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.